You are listening to the Motherhood Elevated Podcast. I'm your host, Annette Jones, and this is episode number 25, Don't Believe Everything You Feel. You are listening to the Motherhood Elevated Podcast for women who want to find clarity of mind, create lasting emotional well-being and confidence, and achieve amazing potential. Come with me. This will be fun. Welcome to the podcast today. I hope you're all having a great week. Today we are talking about emotions and I want to share with you some things that I've learned about feelings that have really been helpful for me and for many of my clients. So we're just going to jump right in. I'm sure you've heard the phrase, don't believe everything you think. Well, there's a good reason for that. Most of what goes on in our minds, the majority of thoughts or beliefs we have are these automatic subconscious habits of thinking that are really accumulation of all of our past experiences. So things we've been taught, things we've observed, conclusions we've come to, emotional pain we've suffered, um, the influence from other people, these and so many other factors have contributed to who you are today. And not just to your personality, but to what you believe about yourself, what you believe about other people and the world around you. Your past experiences affect how you think and what you believe today in the here and now. So in his book, Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself, um, Joe Dispenza says that by the time we're 35 or so, um, our identities and personalities are pretty much completely formed and that all of our behaviors and attitudes and beliefs and habits and emotional reactions and perceptions, they're all just kind of these memorized programs running in our subconscious and they become our automatic natural responses to the world around us. So we're going to essentially think the same thoughts, um, feel the same feelings, and react to our circumstances from these habits that we've formed. So about 95% of who we are by midlife is just a series of subconscious programs that have become so automatic, we don't even think about them. So things like driving a car, brushing our teeth, loading up the dishwasher, typing on a computer, most of our daily tasks. We don't have to spend a lot of mental energy and focus on these things. They're pretty automatic, right? Um, But we also have this emotional programming too. And certain events can trigger these deeply memorized emotions inside of us. And we can feel very strong emotions come on um, seemingly like instantaneously, right? So just like we can have um, unconscious thoughts going on in our minds, we can feel these remembered emotions come up in our bodies. And sometimes we can trace them back to a specific thought, but sometimes we can't. So these are emotions that we probably experience often or have very strong experiences with in our past. And they can come up for us so suddenly Um, And whatever triggered them can be so subtle and so quick that we can't even identify why we're feeling it. It doesn't really make sense, but it's there nonetheless. So some of our strongest beliefs are formed in the emotionally charged experiences of our youth. And the more emotion that was involved, the stronger the memory of it. And the more automatic that emotion can be, it becomes much easier for our bodies to recreate that feeling. So if we've had a traumatic experience in our past and then a circumstance comes along that reminds you of that experience, your brain will kind of fill in the rest of the story for you and trigger those same thoughts and feelings that you experienced before. So let me give you a quick, just kind of funny example to illustrate this. So my family and I love to go on bike rides um, around the trails in our neighborhood. And one of my favorite times to do these rides is in the spring when the hills are just green and the weather's still cool. It's just the best. It's one of my favorite things to do. Um, Well, the spring also happens to be when the ground starts warming up and the snakes start coming out of hibernation. 
And there have been a few times when either in the middle of the road or off to the side of it, we've come across a big fat snake lying there getting, you know, warming itself in the sun. Now, I do not like snakes. That's putting it very mildly. I'm not really squeamish about bugs or spiders and even usually rodents don't creep me out too much, but snakes are a different story. And so the first time we saw one of um, one of these out on our rides, I just kind of like slammed on my brakes and stopped in my tracks and I didn't want to move. Um, just the thought of having to ride past that snake sprawled out across the road stress, oh, it just stresses me out um, just thinking about it. So of course my kids thought it was pretty cool and we had to stop and get a picture, but um, you can believe I kept my distance and it took all the courage I had to finally get back on my bike and ride as fast as I could past that snake. And I know this sounds dramatic and like I was making a big deal out of nothing, but in my mind, that snake was a huge deal and I wanted out of there ASAP. Now, most of the time we go on bike rides, I would say 98, 90, 99% of the time we don't see any snakes. Um, but subconsciously, I'm kind of always on the lookout. And once in a while, I will see sticking out of the grass or laying across the trail, a long brown stick that from a distance looks just like a snake. And immediately I will feel my heart just start to pound and my chest gets tight and I kind of prepare for the worst. Now, this physical response isn't something that I necessarily attach a thought to. I don't think in my head like, oh wow, um, I'm thinking there might be a snake and so I feel scared. That response is so automatic and powerful that it really feels like I'm in danger and that I need to run and get out of there, um, even though it's just a stick. So this can happen in lots of situations for us. And when we feel threatened emotionally, even if that threat is not real or not necessarily a problem for us, our brains like to fill in the rest of the story based on what's happened in our past. So when I see that stick and my brain says snake based on my past experiences, I feel panic and fear. Now, this is a good heads up for me. We want to be protected, right? And alerted to danger. That's one of the one of the jobs of our emotions, right? One of the reasons we have them. And it's just kind of part of being human. We're always going to have these emotions come up for us. But it's what we do with them that matters. These emotions weren't really telling me the truth when I saw the stick. They were just telling me what they thought was true, right? In reality, it was just a stick. And I was making something a problem that doesn't really have to be a problem. So this is what I mean when I say don't believe everything you feel. Just like our thoughts can be automatic and habitual, so can our emotions. And when these powerful emotions just come on, they can feel even more true and like they have even more power over us, right? Feelings like shame, insecurity, jealousy, rejection, loneliness, fear, unworthiness. These feelings are probably emotions that we've felt over and over in our lives. And each time we feel them, they get stronger and feel more like facts instead of um, just options. And when we're feeling these powerful, um, what we would probably label negative emotions, um, a lot of times logic goes out the window and we go into kind of survival mode. And these emotions can in turn trigger automatic behaviors we've learned to associate with them. So things like eating when we're stressed, um, being really judgmental of ourselves or other people, getting defensive or easily offended. Um, comparing ourselves to others, worrying about the future, doubting ourselves, blaming things outside of us for our unhappiness. All of these behaviors come from a feeling of victimhood, of powerlessness, which just keeps us stuck and in these same painful emotional cycles where we can't really see a way out. 
So in coaching, um, we focus a lot on the cognitive side of things. I talk a lot on this podcast about being aware of your thinking, identifying the thoughts that are causing your problems, and then retraining your brain to form these new habits of thinking that will serve you so much better. And all of this is great and really important work, but there's a whole other aspect to emotional health that has to do with not just what's going on in your mind, but what's happening in your body. And it's also, it's known as emotional intelligence, and it's all about being aware of your emotions and tuning into what they're communicating to you. So why is this important? Because you don't have to believe everything you feel. You don't have to buy into what your feelings are telling you is true. You don't have to obey your feelings, and you don't have to do what they're telling you to do. So if you're familiar with the self-coaching model, which is one of the tools I teach and that I was trained to use, um, I talk about it in episode number two, if you want to go back and get a little more information on that, um, you know that our feelings come from our thoughts. And a thought in the brain is actually produced by these tiny neurotransmitters. They're just little molecules, and they fire off electrical impulses to communicate. And those electrical impulses release chemicals that travel down into our bodies and cause us to feel emotions. So think about different emotions and how they feel to you. We often describe um, nervous as being nervous as like having butterflies in our stomach, right? Or maybe when you feel like you're going to cry, you say you have a lump in your throat. Or maybe if you're embarrassed, your cheeks burn. I used to get so many comments about how red my face got when the attention was turned on me. Um, Sometimes if we're feeling an overwhelming love for someone, we say that it feels like our heart is so full that it might burst, right? So we really do feel these emotions physically, which is probably part of the reason they feel so real to us. Like they're just facts. Like just something happening to us that we can't control. But the self-coaching model, which is kind of like a framework to kind of to show you the impact of your thinking on the rest of your life, it can help you figure out what's triggering those feelings. So the model has five components. Um, you start with a circumstance, something that happens that triggers a thought in your mind. And that thought, as I said, is going to cause a chemical reaction in your body that will create a feeling inside of you. And that feeling in turn fuels your actions. Um, We act based on how we feel, right? We act differently when we're happy or sad or confident or insecure, right? So our feelings are important because they determine what we do and how we do it. And then our actions that we take are going to create the results that we're getting in our lives. Um, Our actions are the outward manifestation of everything going on inside of us. And I have a little diagram of the model I like to show my clients, and it shows the first line of the model, the circumstance line, as the only thing in the model that's outside of our control. And the whole rest of the model, our thoughts, our feelings, our actions, our results, those are all within our control. And this is why being aware of what we're thinking is so important because ultimately it's going to determine our life's experience and how we react to the circumstances that come our way. So our thoughts are very powerful and very important, but we don't usually notice what we're thinking. It's much more common to be aware of how we're feeling than what we're thinking, right? You don't usually say like, wow, I'm not thinking very well today, right? We say we're not feeling well or we're feeling off. Um, Our feelings are much more obvious to us than our thoughts. So when I'm doing my self-coaching with the model, I almost always start with the feeling line and work backwards to find what thought was causing me to feel that way. It's just much easier um, for me to be in tune with the the vibrations I'm feeling than the subconscious um, habitual thoughts running through my brain. So I think the the terminology we use around emotions is interesting. We say things like, I'm sad, or I'm excited, or I'm happy, or I'm depressed, but we are not our feelings, right? When we say it like this, I am, 
it's easy to think that those feelings um, define us or describe who we are rather than just seeing them as an emotional state we are in. So can you see the difference between saying, saying I am anxious and I'm feeling anxious? I am lonely versus I am feeling lonely? Feelings are not a permanent condition. Um, they're a state of being in the moment. So do you see that when you can separate yourself, who you are, from the emotion, you can see it for what it is, and then you can start to get some leverage over it. Okay, so we talked about remembered emotions, those feelings that our bodies have memorized and that just seem to come up so easily and strongly for us when they're triggered. These emotions are familiar to us, and when we feel them regularly, our brains get really good at reinforcing these feelings with more thoughts, more evidence to support them, which in turn makes them stronger and more likely to come up in the future. So what do we do about this? Well, we talked about how when a thought comes up, you can question it, right? You don't have to believe it. Well, the same thing is true for a feeling. Just because you feel something doesn't mean it's true. Just because you feel like you're not enough doesn't mean it's true. It doesn't mean you have to act on that feeling. It's kind of like when you're feeling sad or stressed and you feel like you just need a brownie. <laughs> you know the brownie isn't really what you need, even though it seems like it would really help the situation in the moment. But if you can dig a little deeper and figure out what that sadness is really trying to tell you, um, you can get to the root of what's really going on and begin to understand it and work on resolving it. So we can actually learn a lot from our emotions. We can use our emotions, as I mentioned before, to find thoughts that we aren't aware of, um, those subconscious thoughts and beliefs that are creating our realities. Our emotions can be um, a kind of shortcut to finding thoughts we didn't even know we had. If you have a powerful emotion come up and you're wondering where it came from, just stop and ask yourself, why am I feeling this way? What brought this on? Why is this a problem for me? And let's write down the answers to those questions. That's what we call a thought download. And it can be really helpful in identifying um, problematic thoughts or beliefs. So I had a client tell me one time about um, how she was out shopping and she walked into her house um, from a run to the grocery store and found her husband and kids just sitting there watching TV while the house around them was a disaster. And she said, I didn't have any thoughts about it. I just instantly felt really frustrated with all of them. And yes, that feeling of frustration probably did seem like it was just happening to her. And like there wasn't a thought tied to it. And this was one of those memorized emotions for her when she'd felt before and when she feels on a regular basis. And when I asked her why that was a problem, that her kids and husband were watching TV in the middle of a mess, she said, because they should clean up instead of just sitting there being lazy and leaving it for me to do. So bingo, there was, that was her thought, right? And this happened so fast for her and it was such an ingrained thought pattern, she wasn't even aware of it. It just felt like the situation she walked into made her feel frustrated. But the real issue was that her expectation was different than her husband's expectation, right? Her thoughts about the situation caused her to feel frustrated. I can think of another woman who would be thrilled to walk into that situation and see her husband happily hanging out with the kids, messy house or not, so she could go by herself to the store. So there are many different thoughts and feelings this situation could trigger, right? It's all about what you're making it mean um, and your perception of the situation. Okay, so feelings can help us get access to the thoughts where we aren't aware of. Our feelings can also teach us about ourselves and help us understand why we do the things that we do. Like I said before, if an emotion is triggered for you in a situation that doesn't really make sense, it can help you identify maybe past experiences that created some false beliefs about yourself that might be causing you some unnecessary suffering. So I had this happen recently. I was talking with a coach friend of mine and she was telling me about this amazing success that she had had in her business. And as soon as I heard the good news, 
I was overcome with this powerful feeling of shame. I instantly felt like I wasn't good enough, that my business wasn't where, where it should be, that I was doing everything all wrong. It was a pretty intense feeling and it kind of surprised me because this is a friend that I love and I was really genuinely happy for her and the success that she'd had. And so I thought about that and I thought, why was my initial reaction um, the shame? And I realized that the circumstance, my friend telling me about her success, triggered a feeling that I've experienced many, many times in my life that comes from a story I've told myself for years um, that I'm not good enough, that people don't like me for who I am, that I need to be different than I am to get acceptance and approval, and that other people are so much better than I am. Now, that feeling of shame that came up so automatically for me was telling me a story that wasn't true. And along with that story came all kinds of feelings of discouragement, rejection, self-doubt. That feeling was telling me that I wasn't good enough, that people didn't like me, and that I wasn't doing a good job. Essentially, it just made me feel like a failure. So this is what I mean when I say, don't believe everything you feel. Did my friend's success mean that she's better than me? No. Did it mean that I'm not as capable or likable as she is? No. Did my friend's success mean anything at all about me? No. But that feeling of shame sure felt like a fact. And because it came on so automatically, it sure felt true. Now, if this had happened to me before, I learned all these tools um, around managing my mind and emotions, that experience would have put me in a slump for days, possibly weeks. It's happened before, but knowing what I know now, I was able to see that emotion for what it was. I was it was just an emotion. It wasn't me. I was able to let myself feel it, not push it down or try to make it go away somehow, but I got curious about it. I wanted to learn from it. I processed it, and we'll talk about how to do that in a bit, and then I questioned it. I wrote down my thoughts about it. I identified the story that that emotion was telling me and I could find evidence that the story wasn't true. And all of this for me took about 20 minutes. And then guess what? I was able to move on. I was able to feel genuine happiness for my friend and for her success. And I was able to get back into those elevated emotions of love and gratitude and abundance rather than sitting in self-pity and shame and scarcity. So that's a little glimpse into the work that I do. I help my clients learn how to do this for themselves, to apply it to their own situations. Um, Learning these tools doesn't mean you'll never feel any negative emotions, but they do really help you understand your thoughts and emotions, um, how to process them, how to not get stuck in them, and how to keep functioning at a high level even when they come up. Okay, so let's talk for a minute about processing your emotions. What does that mean? What does that even look like? Well, as we talked about, emotions are just chemical reactions and vibrations in our bodies. Now, that initial initial chemical reaction only lasts for about 90 seconds. Dr. Jill Bolte-Taylor, who's an expert on the anatomy and science of the brain, explains it this way. She says, something happens in the external world and chemicals are flushed through your body, which puts it on full alert. For those chemicals to totally flush out of the body, it takes less than 90 seconds. This means that for 90 seconds, you can watch the process happening and then you can watch it go away. After that, if you continue to feel fear, anger, and so on, you need to look at the thoughts that you're thinking that are re-stimulating the circuitry that is resulting in you having that physiological reaction over and over again. Okay, so what she's saying is that when you initially feel an emotion, those chemicals in your body only last about 90 seconds. And then if you continue to feel that emotion, 
It's because your brain has gone to work to reinforce and re-stimulate that emotion, to find more thoughts that are recreating that emotion again. But if you can wait it out, if you can kind of interrupt that rumination and those thoughts that your brain are going to try to run away with, you can naturally put a stop to the release of those chemicals and bring your body back to equilibrium. And so this is what we call processing an emotion. It's helping ourselves get present with what's going on inside of us and interrupting the automatic tendency of our brains to cycle thoughts that will continually trigger that emotion. So the way I do this with myself and with my clients is through a series of questions. And I think I shared this in another podcast episode on emotions. I think it was number four. But I'll share them here again. So the first step is to identify what you're feeling. So ask yourself, what am I feeling right now? Is it shame? Is it, is it being left out? Is it rejection? Is it sadness? Is it jealousy? Try to get really specific about what the emotion is. Um, and next, you want to tune into how it feels in your body. So ask yourself, where is this feeling in my body? Is it in your chest, in your stomach, in your head? Where do you feel it? Okay, next we're going to continue to describe it. What color is this feeling? Is it hard? Is it soft? Is it fast? Is it slow? Is it heavy or light? What is the shape? What's the texture? Use whatever words that come to you to describe what that feeling is like physically, as if you had to explain it to someone who hasn't ever felt it before. Okay, the next question is, how does this feeling make me want to react? What does this feeling make you want to do? Does it make you want to yell? Does it make you want to cry? Does it make you want to crawl into a hole, slam a door, run away? Now ask yourself, why am I feeling this? Here we're going into the logical, intentional part of your brain, right? Finding the thoughts or beliefs that are generating this emotion. And the last question is, what do I want to do about it? What do I want to do with these thoughts and emotions? Do I want to keep creating them? which is fine if you do, or do I want to create new ones? How do I want to feel? So that's one way to process your emotions. And really what processing is, it's making space for them. It's allowing them to be there and to move through you instead of resisting or avoiding them. So a coach of mine loves to use the phrase, what we resist persists, meaning that over time, if we keep pushing our emotions down or pushing them away or trying to cover them up, Eventually, all of those pent-up emotions will kind of explode, right? And you probably know what I mean by that. When you keep your emotions inside and don't acknowledge them, they continue to build up until one day they get triggered, and it could even be something really small, like my friend telling me about her success, right? And then that emotion just comes to the surface and feels overwhelming. So processing emotions is kind of a way to cleanse your system, to stay on top of those emotions so that they aren't being stifled um, and, and then create this big problem when we least expect it. So your emotions are kind of like a little toddler when, when they come to you like crying or, or sad or with a problem. Sometimes even if it doesn't even make sense and if even what they're saying isn't true, they just want to be heard. Have you ever heard your child come to you crying about something? Maybe they fell and got hurt. Maybe somebody took their toy. And if you kind of brush it off and say things like, you're okay, just jump up and keep playing or it's not a big deal, um, it doesn't usually work very well. I know at least with my own kids, if they've come to me hurt, they don't want me to just tell them it's okay and that they're fine, right? They want me to listen and acknowledge their feelings. They want to be heard and to be able to get it out. So I've learned that if they come to me hurt and crying, just pretending everything's fine or brushing it off is actually going to intensify that emotion. But if I sit with them, if I give them a hug and validate what they're feeling, they generally calm themselves down faster and can move on more quickly and they just run off to go play again. So sometimes we think that if we pay attention to our emotions, Um, that they're going to take control of us. 
but the opposite is actually true. Just because you're giving emotions space and listening to what they're saying doesn't mean you have to believe them, right? You don't have to obey them or indulge in them. When you can learn to acknowledge and process your emotions in a healthy way, you actually feel much more in control and empowered. Um, Author Sarah Chauncey has said, what keeps emotions lingering are the stories we tell ourselves about them. Because we humans are story-making machines, we often tend to interpret our body's signals as emotions, when in fact they're just processes happening. They will pass unless we attach a story to them and keep them alive. I love that. So an important um, thing to remember is that we are humans. We were sent to this earth to experience the whole range of emotions, right? The good, the bad, the ugly. And as long as we have those human carnal brains of ours, we're never going to entirely rid ourselves of those, quote, negative or survival emotions. They're here to teach us. They're here to connect us, to motivate us, to protect us. And I believe to ultimately help us reach our potential and become like our Father in Heaven. So emotions are nothing to fear. They're nothing to avoid or hide from. Think of your emotions as tools that can help you learn and grow and empathize and expand yourself and really just help you navigate your life's experience. I have so much more I want to teach you about emotions. It's impossible to fit it all in one episode, but stay tuned for more to come. I love this stuff. It's been so helpful for me and for so many of the people I've worked with. And as always, if you'd like some help with any of the tools or concepts I teach on this podcast, you can find me on Instagram at Annette Jones Coaching. Come hang out with me. Um, You can DM me with questions or even sign up for a free mini session. I'd love to hear from you. I hope you all have a great week and I will see you back again here soon. Have a good one.